0: Hello, and welcome to the Money Confident Woman podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Nicole. This is our very first episode, and I wanna personally invite you to be part of this Mighty With Money sisterhood. I wanna use this first episode to tell you why I'm starting this podcast, why every woman needs to know about money planning, and what I hope will be a movement to help women learn about planning their own finances. There's so much information out there, Some of it sound, but a lot of it flat out wrong or just plain reckless. It's overwhelming, and many women throw up their hands and never start planning because they don't know which advice to take. And of course, they don't want to do the wrong thing and lose their money. I worked with the financial services industry for more than 20 years and saw so many situations where women had been misinformed, ill-advised, or taken advantage of. I've taken calls from friends and from family that were heartbreaking. You've probably had at least one friend confide in you about money problems. Let me tell you a few stories and see if you recognize yourself or a friend in any of them. The first story is the one I hear most often. I can tell you with absolute certainty that nobody believes this could happen to them but it happens all the time. My cousin Linda and her husband made the decision many years ago that she would give up her career and raise the kids. Over time and without her own paycheck coming in, her husband handled all the finances for their family. Linda had no idea what their financial situation was or even where their money was kept. She had a small checking account where her husband transferred money each month for the household expenses. But if she needed or wanted to spend on a larger item or if she needed to buy something for a special event like a new dress, she would have to ask him for the extra money. She would always have to explain to him why she needed to spend this money and she always felt guilty asking because in her eyes, she wasn't contributing financially to the family. It was his money, not really their money. Her important and valuable job of raising the children they both wanted carried zero value when it came to the family's money. Linda called me one day 23 years into her marriage to tell me that things had taken a turn she never expected and she didn't know what to do. She'd returned from chaperoning a school field trip to find a note from her husband on the kitchen table. He met someone else several months ago on a business trip and he was leaving the marriage. He was filing for divorce, and the papers would be served when he had time to get around to it. His clothes were gone, his desk was cleaned out, and there was no sign of him. Linda was devastated. How would she tell her family and her friends? And how would she tell her kids? She went to the grocery store so she could make something special for dinner that night for the kids. When she got to the checkout counter, her debit card was declined. She tried the credit cards her husband had given her, declined. Linda soon found out that on his way out the door, her husband had closed their joint bank accounts and removed her from the credit cards, which had been opened in his name. Linda had been raising their children for the past 15 years. That had been their agreement. She had given up a lucrative professional career, and now she couldn't even buy groceries. She had to borrow money from family and friends to retain a lawyer to track her husband down to get him to pay for the family's basic necessities. So many women who are raising the children give up all financial control once they give up their careers. They feel guilty because they aren't earning money and they feel like the money their spouses earn are the spouse's money, not the family's money. But that's not true. The decision for a spouse to give up a job to raise children benefits the family financially in many ways. Enormous savings on daycare for just one example. Did you know that as a spouse raising kids, you're probably eligible to contribute to an IRA for retirement? Did you know that you have every right to know where your family's money is and to participate in the decisions about that money? Now you do. Let me tell you about my neighbor, Mel. Mel opened the front door one day to find two uniformed officers standing in front of her. Her husband had been arrested on drug charges. Mel had no idea her husband had been using drugs. She went to the bank and found out that their bank accounts were almost empty. Her husband had opened personal loans that she didn't know about to fund his drug habit. When the officers had appeared at the door, she thought it was all a big mistake and she was just going to the bank to try and get money to retain a lawyer to help him get out of jail. Worried what else she might find, Mel went home. She opened her husband's desk drawers in their home office and was horrified to find several notices, many unopened. They were behind several months on their mortgage, on their children's private school tuition, and on the 10 credit cards he had taken out that she didn't even know they had. They were swimming in debt, and she had no idea. It soon became clear that her husband's drug habit had ruined their family financially. Mel was devastated, and she felt so betrayed. Where was she even going to find the money for a lawyer to represent her husband? Mel trusted her husband, and marriages necessarily involve high levels of trust, but knowing what's going on with your family's money is not, and I repeat, is not a matter of trust. It's a matter of shared responsibility. It's something you should be actively involved in and not just on the little household budget for the groceries. I mean, in all the decisions. If you don't know where your money is and how it's being invested and spent, addictions or other problems can go undetected until your spouse or partner is caught or brings financial ruin on your family. Here's another situation that comes up quite a bit. My longtime friend Maria called me after her wife died unexpectedly in a car crash. In the midst of her terrible grief, Maria was faced with some difficult financial situations. Maria had handled the monthly household budget and had access to their joint bank accounts, She also had credit cards that she had established in her own name a long time ago. So unlike my cousin Linda, she could buy groceries and pay the immediate bills. She knew that they had planned for either of their untimely deaths with life insurance and that they had planned for retirement. But her wife had been in charge of all those things. So while Maria knew they had life insurance policies, she had no idea where they were, who their agent was, or how to even find out. She knew they had brokerage accounts and IRAs for retirement, but only her wife met with the financial advisor, and Maria didn't know who that was or even the name of the firm. She needed money to pay for a funeral and to hold her over while she recovered from this loss. Now she found herself tearing their house apart, looking desperately for something that would show her where to find this important information. Maybe the key documents were stored on their home computer, but she didn't know the passwords and she couldn't find them anywhere. It's so important to prepare for an unexpected death or disability. Insurance is no good to you if you don't know how to get it when you need it most. If you never meet with a family financial advisor, if you don't have a file or a book that you can access that contains all the information you'll need in the case of a sudden death, wills and trusts, insurance, retirement accounts, credit card and loan details, the names and telephone numbers of your contacts for your policies, passwords, or even your partner's final wishes. If you don't have access to these, a loss like the one she suffered could be unnecessarily more stressful. I have just one more story for you. My friend Jada asked me to take a look at her brokerage statement one day. She was concerned because it looked like her balance had dropped significantly over the past few months. She had met a nice man at church who was a financial advisor. He told her he would take care of the inheritance money she would just received from her parents. She was single, and her parents had saved that money penny by penny, year after year, so they could leave her something when they passed. They wanted her to be able to buy a house with it. She told the advisor she had saved some money on her own and was hoping to buy a small home in the next 18 months. The advisor seemed honest. He earnestly told Jada that he understood her wishes and that he would invest only in things that would keep that money safe and also grow a little bit, so perhaps she could buy her home a little earlier. Jaden was so excited, and since she met the advisor at church, she believed he must be honest and sincere and must have her best interests at heart. Since Jada knew nothing about investments, she accepted all of his recommendations, which he specifically said were very safe. Unfortunately, her trust was misplaced. When I looked through her statements, I saw that the advisor had not recommended safe investments at all. To the contrary, he had put her money into high-risk investments that were losing money at a rapid rate. She couldn't even get her money out of some of these investments because the investor or the advisor had her sign paperwork that locked her money into these losing investments for several years with no way out. Jada didn't know what to do, and she started sobbing. She felt so dumb, dumb because she had trusted this guy, and dumb because she didn't know enough to figure out that these investments weren't what she'd asked him for. I'll be honest with you. Most people really don't know much about basic investing at all. It seems so complicated. There's so many words and terms that seem intimidating and complex. This is why people hire financial advisors. And many financial advisors are absolutely asking with your best interests and your financial goals in mind. But make no mistake, not everyone has your best interests at heart. The advisor you meet at church or at your charity event or the one that your neighbor uses may not be right for you. Do you recognize a friend or yourself in any of these stories? I know every single one of these people. This is just a small sampling of the stories I could tell you. They are tragic. And the women involved came to me embarrassed and ashamed that this could have happened to them. Each of these women was intelligent and capable and confident they trusted their spouses, or their partners, or their financial advisors to handle the family's money and to plan for their futures. They found out in extreme circumstances, a husband leaving, divorce, death, arrest, that their trust had been misplaced and that their money was gone. I don't want to see this happen to any more women, and I don't want to see it happen to you. I want to empower women to learn about money planning so not a single other woman has to go through what the women I just talked about went through. And I don't want our daughters to go through it just because we don't know enough to teach them. Honestly, the fact that many women don't know about money planning isn't necessarily all our fault. Let's think for a few minutes how culture and systems play a part. Think back to high school. Depending on your age, you may or may not have taken home economics. And in that class, you probably learned how to balance a checkbook. And again, depending on your age, how to write out a check. But you certainly never learned about retirement or savings beyond a basic savings account or how to responsibly manage debt. There wasn't even a class on how to live on your own. What could you afford for rent? For a car? How much are utilities? How much did you spend on groceries? If you were like me, you were left to your own devices. And in most places, things haven't improved much in the past several decades. At home, finances weren't really discussed in front of the kids most places. And if anyone was getting a financial education at all, it was probably your brother. Whether your mom worked, or raise the kids. By the way, I hate the term stay-at-home mom because I think it really continues to promulgate that myth that women's work at home doesn't mean anything, but, but I digress. Whether your mom worked or raised the kids, your dad probably handled the finances. Maybe your mom handled like the grocery budget. And if one of those parents wasn't around, You probably felt the financial stress of that, but you probably didn't really understand it. When you grew up and got a job, perhaps you were lucky enough to work for a company that had a 401k plan. That's a retirement plan. You were presented with a booklet that explained, kind of, the different funds you could invest in. You know what most of us did? We asked our friends what they did, and we followed suit. So we really had no idea what we were investing in, and hopefully it all went well. If you got married, perhaps you followed the path you knew and let that person be responsible for the finances, without question. Even if you did try to stay involved, did the financial advisor only talk to your husband or your spouse while you're in the meetings? Does he, and it's probably a he, actually take the time to make sure you understand your family's entire financial picture? Maybe not. So how are you supposed to learn? These days, there's so much information on the internet, but honestly, it's overwhelming. Am I right? ETFs, margin, Bitcoin, SPACs, funds, stocks, diversification. What? Does it all sound like a bunch of jargon? Is it intimidating Does it make you feel dumb or unable to decide which way to go? Does it make you feel, well, less than confident? Absolutely. After seeing these scripts play out with woman after woman, I decided I needed to take action to do what I could to educate women so these stories would stop repeating again and again. And I promised that I would dedicate myself to helping women learn about money and money planning from the ground up. Just establishing simple systems and some basic knowledge can go so far to helping you get right on your path to meeting your financial goals, to living those dreams. If you want to live on a beach, great. You can do that. You can do anything you want with your money. It does just involve planning and I'm here to help with that. Money planning is a topic so many of us avoid, but we simply can't put our heads in the sand if we want to live our best lives. And I'm here to tell you that you can learn and you can thrive. The basics are easier than you think. And once you learn the basics, you are well on your way to living a life where you can confidently manage your finances and plan for that financial future you see in your dreams. That's the personal story of why I'm here and why I started the Money Confident Women. I hope you'll join me every Thursday for a new episode. And if you know women who can benefit from learning about money planning, please share this podcast with them. I want to get this out as far as we can. Let's get a movement started. And I'd appreciate it if you like the show, if you can help get our name out By leaving a five star ranking or a five star review um, on this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll see you next Thursday when we're kind of start to get down to some of the nitty gritty. Have a great week.